0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 16. Ruh-oh! versus Media Live. I am Stephen L. Miller. You're, I'm kind of your host. I don't like to think of it as a host. Um, hopefully, the audio quality is better. I just unboxed uh, a brand new iPhone 13 Pro Max. Giggity. Um, so we get this is going to be a fun test. I'm having trouble with like how big it is in my hand. I feel like I have tiny hands now because I've never had a Pro Max. But uh, the thing about getting older is my eyes are getting shoddier, so I'm turning into that old man where I hold it right up to my face and squint. So hopefully that's going. Um, yeah, right off the bat, I'm, I got people commenting on my typos. I'm not fixing those. Um, speaking of old man hands and chubby fingers. Um, but, uh, but thank you for, for pointing that out. Yeah, midterm ejection issue is a pretty good one. I think I'm going to leave that. Um, I have a feeling people will have opinions today. Already, I see the callers are a sausage fest. So, ladies, because this is <coughs> abortion, um, and we do have strictly defined genders in this dojo, feel free to chime in, speak up. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, obviously, the media reaction to all of this. And as I talked about a recap on my podcast this week, we're already seeing kind of the typical playbook come out. Um the pro-life side is disinformation. That's their fun new one. Um, We're seeing obviously Jim Shudo and CNN saying that uh, federal law enforcement is is raising the heightened alert around uh, Planned Parenthood clinics uh, when the Capitol fence just went up around the Supreme Court building within about 20 minutes of this leak happening. And not a single person in media will tell us who they're protecting that building from. Why did this fence go up? Not as a single person. It's one of my favorite ongoing bits at this moment. Just why? Why is this fence going up? Who are we protecting from? Zed Jelani on Twitter had a good point where he said uh, they they really want you to believe that the side that looks like it's going to prevail in this decision is going to cause riots. That's uh, This is the new hard news CNN for everybody. Um, they're obviously not fooling anyone with this. But that has, of course, been one of the reactions. We've obviously also had Juddle Gum and his uh, gang of corporate media misfits trying to get corporations to weigh in on this, just like they've been doing with the the All-Star Game and like they did with the Florida Parental Education Rights Bill. Uh, Except if you notice, there is a noticeable lack of traction on this front. And today, uh, Juddle was upset at the fact that there appears to be a PR firm advising these companies not to get involved in this, or they're going to have a three-month head PR headache like Disney had, which hasn't really worked out for Disney the way that um, everyone thought, including the former GOP smart set strategy group. Um, so we have that obviously happening. They're, they're lack, CNBC issued a tacit thread in one of their stories where they they reached out to Home Depot and Walmart and CVS and, all of these companies are you know, demanding a statement, and they just they didn't pick up the phone. And so you can already get kind of the seething frustration that they have going on with this. Uh, the other thing is, I, I, if I had to guess, this is probably a volatile issue for the ejection that Republicans probably would rather not deal with. Um, you know you're you're coasting along, and now there's there's there could be a possible bump. I personally don't see this being a enormous factor in uh, come November, um, but they'll they'll certainly try to make it one. Um, on the other hand, every Democrat in the country now is probably going to have to avoid Brett Bayer's show. And if you want to know what the national freakout over all of this is, it has very little to do with. Uh, a birthing person's right to choose or anything like that. It's the fact that, as I said on my podcast, Roe v. Wade kind of lifts the debate off this entire debate for, for Democrats who have gone from, you know, what we always talk about with Bill Clinton, safe, legal, and rare to, uh, pretty much if the head is popping out and the woman changes her mind, just guillotine that thing and, you know, discard it. Uh, pardon the graphic. We're going to get a little graphic here today. I can tell you. Um, But as we saw with Tim Ryan on Brett Bayer, and I plan to play this clip tomorrow on my podcast, uh, it's the one question that they don't want to have to answer, which is, do you believe in basically abortion without limits up to nine months and up to the crowning of, you know, the little tyke skull? And Tim Ryan completely avoided answering that question and stumbled and stumbled and said, it's up to the woman. Well, you can just about kiss his chances in Ohio goodbye with that answer, and every Democrat in the country is going to have to be faced with that. And so um, without I don't really care what your topics, your questions, your comments are. Uh, we'll get a little bit nuts uh, to quote Michael Keaton. Um, where I come from, this is basically get rid of it and send this back to the states where it belongs. We already have several states that have codified it, regardless of if I agree with these laws or not. It's California, Washington, Washington. Oregon, Colorado, I think New Mexico or Nevada, one of those kooky desert states, and then pretty much the entirety of the Northeast. And so uh, again, the freak out is that this is going to be sent back to some of these purplish states, maybe even some of these blue states, and they're going to find out just how popular or unpopular uh, trying to abort a nine month old human life is actually going to be. And if you want to know what the freak out is, that is a hundred percent, all of it that they're going to have to answer for this. Now Uh, they'll avoid it. They'll of course, they'll, they'll go to safe network, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, whatever, who will, you know, obviously provide a safe haven for them on this, but they're not going to really be able to avoid it in debates with local media, which is where some, you're going to get a lot of these clips coming. So this is obviously the topic today. It's obviously a hot-button topic. Um, So I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your favorite kind of reactions from media, um, anything that you've noticed in the coverage. Um, We obviously had a group called Ruth Sent Us publish the home addresses of several Supreme Court justices. Uh, the, The Biden administration... Uh, basically just went, well, there's a lot of passion here. And they did not condemn this to to give you an idea of where, remember, Biden is supposed to be the the moderate. He's supposed to be the grandpa here to to listen to us and give us all a hug and give the country a worthers. And now you have them basically saying, hey, you know, there's passion. And if that passion happens to spill over onto the front lawns of these SCOTUS justices, I guess that's just what's going to happen uh, never minding uh, forgetting what happened to Steve Scalise a few years ago. So all of this is obviously taken into consideration. Uh, if if we do have a decision on this, it's likely to come in June uh, when this is handed down. My personal belief is regardless of where you are in this issue, I, I think that they have to overturn it now. I do, I don't think... That they can release a decision that does not in some way, some form, kick this back to the states because this will look like an intimidation campaign worked and it will forever change the makeup of the Supreme Court forever. And we will see this with every hot button issue with uh, progressive or liberal SCOTUS clerks who will do this very same thing. I saw an interesting theory. And I also want to get your guys' thoughts on this, that what if that this was one of the conservative justices, clerks, <laughs> who did this in an attempt to shore up a 5-4 or 6-3 decision? And I think that that's interesting because right now we don't know who's doing this. We have the Marshal of the Supreme Court, Louise Mench finding out frantically who did this so we can issue the death penalty or whatever, whatever people are saying. Um But this is why I personally have kind of refrained from uh, any Twitter threads or any speculation about who this person is. I think that that's irresponsible, and especially in the wake of what happened with libs of TikTok last week. um, I think that people have to refrain from exercising kind of amateur sleuthing in that way and, and partaking in it by weighing in on it as well. So those are all the fun things we're dealing with that we weren't dealing with last week. So this is kind of a happy hour. Keep it it happy and keep it light and pretend we're all sitting at the bar having drinks. I'm currently not, but you can. And like I said, uh, I particularly, as usual, want to hear from the ladies uh, on this topic. And again, just give me your thoughts. And we're probably going to be a hard out at 710 Eastern. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to try to keep this as a happy hour. So... Uh, if I don't get to your call, I do apologize. Uh, I would say in the interest, uh, if you're speaking, just note there are people behind you and to kind of keep your thoughts short to the point and on the topic. And that way we can get everybody in that we want. Um, good to see some new faces in here. Uh, we got a good room going. So yeah, let's get a little bit crazy here. Uh, William, you're up. This is versus media live. Um, William, how many abortions have you had? No, I'm joking. You don't have to answer that. Um, But like I said, give me your thoughts on some of the things that I just laid out as far as media, as far as the president of this draft leaking, the confirmation of the draft, uh, anything, uh, what have you. Go ahead and unmute your mic and you're up, William. Dazzle the room for us. Don't make me abort your call early. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to abort William and keep him comfortable until a decision can be made about uh, where he is. William, feel free. I know for the app, there's a microphone icon down at the bottom. If you're new to this app, uh, just hit that, and you should see a gray circle or a blue circle or whatever, and you can jump up into line, and I will take you. Joe, welcome. Welcome to the uh, uh, All Abortion Hour for Versus Media Live. What a pleasure. It is indeed, Stephen. So um, (laughs) I first heard
1: when this news broke of the league, I think it was Monday night. My wife and I were in the hospital as we had actually just celebrated the birth of our first daughter. So this was really fun. How did you know?
0: I'm sorry. How did you know it was a daughter? Well, uh, yeah, and how dare
1: I call her my wife? She was a birthing person. I'm sorry. Red flags all around. How dare I? Misgendering her already, setting her up for a lifetime of this. Woe is me. Um, So, yeah, hearing hearing about this uh, just in the hospital was like, oh my God, and here we go. This is just going to set off just a shitstorm of everything. Um, Kind of like a macro sense of this whole thing. The I think that this is kind of the hypothesis, or I'm sorry, rather the, the question that you would post to the Patreon audience um, before the 2020 election. This is kind of those chickens coming home to roost, which is, would we rather have a second Donald Trump presidency, a second term of it, or have the three Supreme Court justices? Um, yeah, this is this is kind of that coming home where if this decision does stand um, as it is and is not really altered in any way, it kind of already answers the question, I think, for a lot of conservative activists and saying, well, this is what you got. This is the clearest example as to the trade-off as to what you would have gotten. Um, I also, uh, just a couple other thoughts. I also think that a group named Ruth Sentus has to be one of the funniest things imaginable, because I have to come back to them and just say, guys, R- Ruth is the reason we're even in this situation. And if, if you know she, if, if she had retired a little bit earlier, we might not be in this exact situation as we are today. So the irony of the name just really makes me laugh. And a final thought: um, what, what I would say is that the. The, the whole notion of it going back to the states and having Democrats actually have to work for it really, I think, underscores what is probably one of the most significant underreported aspects of the Obama administration, which is just the near extinction level event that occurred among state legislature seats held by Democrats across the country during his term. I think something to the effect of over 900 seats switched to Republicans during his term. And it hasn't really changed all that much today. So now with this issue coming back to the states to kind of also further drive your point home as to now they have to work for it. They're having to work for it and to um, you know, pass these laws from a weakened position from their previous guy. And I think that that is also a significant part of the panic that is setting in among them, which is that the previous guy put us here. We're kind of up Shit's Creek without a paddle. And now we have even less
0: levers to pull than we have before. Uh, I looked this up while you were talking. This is from Rory Cooper, uh, for, who's a good follow on Twitter. Uh, he's part of Purple CCU Politics. Uh, he's, he's a former GOP uh, staffer strategist guy. Under President Obama, Democrats lost 900-plus state legislature seats, 12 governors, 69 House seats. Nice. 13 Senate seats. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, that this is a party that gave up on legislating over the past 10 to 20 years and have completely relied on lawsuits in the courts because they thought like academia and culture and media, they thought that they had the courts. And so they just gave up, they gave up trying to govern, they gave up trying to legislate. They just said, Hey, you know, we're just, we're going to, we're going to sue for marriage. We're going to sue for abortion. We're going to sue for this. We're going to sue for that and hope that we get it. And, um, they obviously got with Roe v. Wade in 73. They got gay marriage, which the, the, one of my fun things is, is, is almost as soon as this leak came out, you had a section of the LGBTQ community screaming, what about us? They're going to come for us next. And abortion has been a mainstay issue of the Republican Party and the political right for, for 50 years since, since Roe happened. Nobody's talking about gay marriage. That, does that make me hesitant to jump on the wagon that says they're not going to try to overturn it? Well, no, because they could. Um, but it was interesting that as soon as this came out, every pet group started jumping out and saying, what about us or what about racial, You know, interracial marriage? Eric Swalwell Ugh! saying that uh, on Twitter, um, you're talking about a party that completely gave up legislating. And because they couldn't, they lost state legislatures. Um You said, you know, Ruth sent us, Uh, and I had, I just, I, all I could picture in my mind was Pee Wee Herman walking in the bar and saying, large Marge sent me, and everyone just dropping their silverware and going, Ruth's been dead for five years, sir. Um, (coughs) The other person you have to blame, obviously, is Hillary Clinton, who thought spending time in New York City with the cast of Hamilton and Gwyneth Paltrow in L.A., you know, gooping their vaginas or whatever the hell they were doing was more important than visiting the state of Wisconsin for 104 days. When you look back on all of this, you really look at how much Hillary Clinton's campaign had, that they thought that they had all of these states locked up. And all I got to do is just, you know, go here and go there. And it, it, there's no way they're going to go with the crazy guy. Oops, we went with the crazy guy. And, you know, I did ask this question before the election. And this could be a good one for people to answer now: Is would you would you trade one Trump term for three Supreme Court justices? Meaning, you know, he doesn't get reelected, but you did get three Supreme Court justices, or do you take a second Trump term, and God knows what happens? You know, we have a horse in a hospital, and like Joe said, he, that's kind of where we are now. So a lot of people, you know, have to kind of come to reckon for that. And what's what's really interesting about this issue is, you know, this isn't populism, and this isn't, you know, Trumpism, this isn't, uh, you know, J.D. Vance or, you know, the new right or anything like this. This is a core bedrock issue of the political right. And now you really get to see where the rubber meets the road with some of the pundit class, as we saw with Bill Kristol, who, you know, seems to be taking the side of the Democrats and who asked Roe v. Wade to go a few years ago. Matt Taibbi pointed that out along with myself and a few others. And, you there There's certain sections of, again, the coalition of the very concerned that seem very, very quiet on this. And again, this is one of these core bedrock principles, no matter where you are in the political spectrum, where it, it really is a, a, one of these core issues for the political right, similar to gun control is for the political left. And so... You need to really pay attention about who is speaking up about these things and who isn't. Because, again, this this isn't tariffs and this isn't some of these new Trump policies that came out of his presidency that the right has adopted. This is one that's been there all along. And that goes for Trump switching from pro-choice to pro-life to pro-choice to pro-life to pro-choice and whatever. So you raise up pretty much all the good points that we see happening with this. Um, It's still funny to me that when this happened, all, all the networks like CBS and uh, ABC went running to Hillary Clinton for her opinion. And you know, I saw a lot of people comment on what's her name—I think Anna from the Young Turks—who just absolutely lost her ever-living shit. And Pete, you know, I saw the right dunking on this, and I saw those. And I'm like, I think she's the only one that actually gets it. That. You have you have a party that has overpromised their activist base on so many things to where we're you're going to kind of start to see a revolutionary Tea Party on the left. I've said that since Ocasio-Cortez's election, which was could be measured with Eric Cantor. And so, I mean, they they, they were I mean, Joe Biden promised during the campaign to codify Roe v. Wade into law. Well, it turns out he can't do that. He doesn't have the votes. And, you know, they talked about codifying Roe v. Wade and doing all of this stuff. And you don't have the votes. You never had the votes. And I think it's Charles Cook who pointed out that Joe Biden thought and his people around him thought he was going to be fucking FDR when he won by 40,000 votes and has a 50, 50, 50, split Senate. I mean, this is not a president with a mandate to do anything. And, of course, he went yeehaw and now inflation's out of control and they think that abortion's going to win the day. Uh, I I just I don't see any of that happening as I'm looking at as I kind of have Twitter up in the background. Jennifer Agiesta, I believe that's how we spell pronounce her name, director of polling and election analytics for CNN. New CNN polling comparing pre and post polling. The draft opinion does not appear to have shaken the midterm landscape. So there goes your great white hope there, Dems. And like I said, I don't think, you know, the D, the, the the DCC, the, the, the Democratic Party is out here saying every Republican is going to have to answer if they believe Roe v. Wade should go. Yeah, well, you guys are going to have to answer if you think abortion should be allowed up to nine months, including birth. And that is actually that language is actually in the federal bill that Chuck Schumer is going to force his party to vote on next week. Uh, like I said, in my description, You probably, if you're on the political right or Republican, don't want to have to deal with this headache. Um, But it looks like you have, you know, the entire Democratic party going full Leroy Jenkins on this. So, Joe, uh, it's good to hear your thoughts. Congratulations, by the way, and congrats to you and your birthing body. Um, what, what, What did you end up pronouncing your small human life and what was the name? The small human life is we decided to pronoun
1: it with a her. And her name is Paige.
0: So so like Elliot Page? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Joe's going to be before, like before it jo- was jo- known as Elliot. Joe's going to hang up and go. <laughs> we need to change the fucking name now. Yes. So. Yep.
1: I'm, I'm running. I'm running down the stairs right now. <laughs>
0: before the ink is dry on the birth certificate, which doesn't actually count anymore on passports or in hospitals. So you you brought your she, her, they into a wonderful world, Joe. I did. I i, I certainly did. Well, be-
1: thanks as much as always, Stephen.
0: Thanks, Joe. Uh, good, good to hear thoughts. Good timing on all of that. Um, it's probably good that when this draft came down, J- Joe and his fellow birthing body didn't go. Ah, cool. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. So, uh, it's always good to hear from Joe. Chad's law-knowing service. One of my, uh, one of my subbers is up. Chad, same topic, same everything. Uh, give me some thoughts. Dazzle the room with us. Um, don't make me abort your call early. Okay. Well, so when it
2: comes to, let's say, the election aspect of it and how it's going to change the midterms, I was kind of uh, listening to uh, some commentators in regards to how the congressional ballot's going more towards Republican because of the Latino vote. And uh, I was kind of thinking this in connection to, uh, I don't know if you saw how in Boulder, Colorado, a Catholic church got spray painted with uh, My Body, My Choice uh, at the front of the church. And that just kind of reminded me where. You know, Latinos tend to be more socially conservative when it comes to abortion. And, you know, part of the issue is kind of the Catholic influence. And, uh, like in my parish, for example, we have a pretty heavy Latino population. And I don't really see um, the, the Dems winning back the Latino community with abortion. Um, and we've been getting a lot of emails lately in a lot of our Catholic groups. And I have a lot of friends who are uh, Catholic priests too where they're getting warned by local authorities to watch out for, uh, you know, crazy activist types who are going to uh, interrupt uh, Catholic mass and everything like that, too. Because uh, during the Black Lives Matter, mostly peaceful and non-super spreader events, uh, some of our churches in our diocese actually got vandalized. So I don't really see how, like with the Latino vote, you shut them down economically, which disproportionately affected them. And then they had to keep on serving the laptop class. And then they also shut down their churches, which really doesn't get brought up too much with the negative aspects of the pandemic. They weren't allowed to worship and be in commu- uh, community with their other friends. And now they're going to have a crazy white harpy scream to their family on, during Sunday mass about how important abortion is,
0: basically. Um, I just don't think it's the best strategy in the world. All, all while calling them Latinx. Yes, exactly. Um, and and by the way, the only reason you voted for the GOP in the last election is disinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know what disinformation is in Spanish, so if someone wants to give me that one, that would be useful. Um, a lot of what you're saying is why I'm not a demographics or destiny person of the right. You know, I, I'm not one of these uh, Nosferatu, Stephen Miller, and Coulter types where it's um, if we keep letting. Illegal immigrants in—they're all just going to vote Democrat. Well, I mean, of course, we should be for border controls, and we should secure the border, and we should stop—you know—the the the flood of illegal immigration coming over. Um, But on the other hand, as I've always kind of said, I I don't believe the demographics are destiny. Uh, Generally, a lot of these people uh, are family people. They're coming here to work. They're coming here to uh, be a part of the country in some form or another. And I don't think that they like being condescended to as much as the next person. They're not idiots, you know, um, and, and I'm never one of these people who, uh, you know, you drive by the Home Depot and there's a group of guys looking for work and I, I go, we're done my country gone. You know, mm-hmm. I, I joked back in 2016, the GOP should be at the border with hot coffee and voter registration and, and Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz speaking Spanish to everyone. Um, and we saw this shift. And this is one of the biggest things Trump lo- Trump's loss did. In the last elections, it really did overshadow how a catastrophe of a federal election 2020 actually was for the Democrats. We saw shifts in several of these border cities in Texas and New Mexico, all flipped to red in local districts and local house districts. We saw it in California, where several districts went to Asian-American women. Funny, we didn't hear the glass ceiling on that one. And just now we saw, I think it was an article in the L.A. Times this past week, where it was kind of sounding the alarm that you you have Democrat reps switching to GOP reps or Republican reps because their communities are changing, and this really is a a tide that is turning because you have again hardworking people in rural communities who are very religious and they're very family driven. Um, <laughs> the I mean, it, it, not to get too blunt, but you also have some of these people who know that are you know are are or birth laws here where if you, if you birth a baby on American soil, it's a citizen. I don't know how well an abortion message is going to go for natural born birth uh, or natural birth citizenship laws like that. So it's going to be fun to see where those come down on. Um, As again, this demographic does kind of turn red. The other thing we're seeing is a little bit of a shift in the African American vote. And it's not that they will vote Republican, but they might stay home and, you know, you have an administration that is I think you're seeing a community of people that are also being tired of just pandered to with bullshit language. And, you know, you have kind of a white savior complex happening on the left. You know, you have the Robin D'Angelo complex, which is you need to defund the police. And you have these African-American communities saying, no, I want my fucking kids to be safe, too. No, no, no. You're going to get shot and we need to defund them. And it's like, lady, who are you? Like, you don't live here. You're not someone who would walk through the, you know, south side of Chicago at two in the morning if somebody gave you a million dollars to do it. And so you're starting to see that shift. And I and I made this, I mean, you you have this real shift happening. And this week, we talked, the, the Biden administration is talking about banning menthol cigarettes. Like, What, who is running things there? Well, we know it's, you know, Jen Saki who has the savior complex and it's all of these people with the equity complexes. And it's like, it was, I saw the poll where something like 80, this would affect something like 85% of African-Americans who smoke and you're going to ban menthols. Like, what are you people doing? I mean, no, don't let me stop you. Like, you know, keep going guys. Um, but the other interesting thing this week is we saw uh, Karine, Karine Jean Paul take over for Jed Saki. And all of the press and all of the White House is talking about how historic this is because she's the first LGBTQ woman of color. Literally, the only box she's missing is that she's in a wheelchair. And you had all the press and they're talking about this representation matters. And I think I even said to Eli Stokols on Twitter that it's interesting that you in this White House think that this is going to matter to the African American community who is seeing their grocery prices go up, inflation killing their families as well and gas prices going up. And you think that because they made an African American woman press secretary, that somehow this is going to carry your vote. Um, so like I said, all of these things and I do hammer the right on this. I'm, I do believe in border controls. I'm not one of these kick them all out guys. You know, I just, I'm not um, if they're here to do hard work, um, I think we should welcome in, I think we should make the process easier, and we should also revamp the visa system, which is where most of our immigration problems are. So yeah. I, I'm just not one of these hardcore demographics or destiny guys on the right. If they want to come here, if they want to work, and like you said, if they're religious and they're going to play by the rules, I think we should make it easier for them to stay here. So that's kind of right. my my two cents, and I agree I agree with you on you know, these are people who also had pandemic misgivings and they had, you know, they had kids in school. I don't even care about their legal status. They had kids in school as well that had to be pulled out of schools. Um, and so again, all of those issues affect them. And instead you have a political left who is like, no, 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 you're that to next. No, listen to me. You're that to next. And they're just like, get, get the hell out of here. Uh, go ahead and finish up Chad." Yeah. Yeah. Just one
2: last media reaction. I think to connect with this, uh, I think I saw it was a Kyle Kalinsky as a secular talk guy. And, you know, he's kind of pretty representative of the Bernie Sanders crowd and everything who tend to be very anti-religious. And he was mocking the idea of praying for protection for the Supreme Court justices saying pray for these nuts. But then at the same time, he's surprised when Nina Turner, Nina Turner, the candidate uh, he was pushing for, only got 33 percent of the vote in the Democrat primary in the uh, Ohio uh, House of Representative race.
0: So uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Ber- no. Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders went down both to Hillary and to Joe Biden. So and, and he's talking about running again. So, uh, I mean, you're, as I said, and with Liz Warren and student loan debt, she could answer this question on The View today. So you have a, you have a party that has quit governing and they basically govern by you know the attitudes of thirty percent of what they see on Twitter, and I've gone into that before. I don't need to keep going into it, but you're 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 going to tune out most of the uh, most of the country with that with that attitude. Yep. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, good, good to hear from you. Yay! We we're breaking the sausage fest here. So Donna. Uh, give us your thoughts on Roe v. Wade, whatever, and, and, and anything else. I'm sorry that I had to – I think I cut you off last episode, but we were getting long in the t- – we were running longer than Gone with the Wind. So I had to kind of get out. So it's good that you're here.
3: Thank you, Stephen. No, you didn't cut me off. That It was perfect. Um, and I'm also one of your subbers, which I would like credit for that.
0: Th- um, thank you for subscribing, so Donna.
3: not only am I here to bring some estrogen to your Sausage Fest – but I'm also here because I have a unique perspective that you might be interested in and your listeners may be interested in. And uh, that is because when I was 17, I got pregnant and uh, I was in a state, well, actually, it was 1978, so it was post-R.V. Wade, Um, yeah, Roe, Roe versus Wade, and um, the male that I was with didn't want a child. And I wasn't capable of taking one on my, taking care of one on my own. So I was living in Arizona and, uh, went and had the procedure done. And, uh, I was given no, um, you know, didn't get to see the, the ultrasound or anything like that. They didn't even do one. They didn't offer one. And, uh, so I had the procedure done and, as a Catholic, I was very hurt and upset, and thought I was going to hell because of it. And then, when uh, I became old enough and got married, I had a child, so I have that unique perspective. Um, what bothers me about Roe v. Wade is that, and and Democrats in general, with this, or liberals, or not, I'm not liberals. I'm sorry, leftists, is that. Um, they're all for the popular vote until they're not. And why not give it back to the states? We're not inhibited from traveling from state to state whenever need be or want to be. Um I don't understand their it seems like a fetish. You know, I scream my abortion. Uh it's they they almost like they're in a club. It's really disheartening because I don't even think these young women realize how traumatizing the experience is, not only uh, emotionally, which it will live with you for the rest of your life. But physically, I thought I was going to die the night. I mean, I just really thought I was going to die the night. So physically they don't even know what the hell they're, they're going to experience. And yet they act like, Oh, I screamed my abortion, which they probably never even had one. Um, And then when you do give birth and you see that life and to think that these people are talking about aborting it at nine months, like you said, with the head crowning, not to get graphic, but my God, when are they going to stop? Are they going to say, well, she didn't want her child. It was a year old. She didn't want her child. It was two years old. When does it stop? I hear these. These these are the radicals that are out there right now. These are. These people are crazy. This is murder. Now, I'm not saying that it should... Maybe I'm a a libertarian on on this point, because I do believe that it should still be made available to those women that are in danger, those women that may have been in the position that I was in, that I had no capability of taking care of a child at 17 years old. But I can tell you, if there are women out there listening... I was one of the women that came, got pushed out by a nurse out of the abortion clinic, and I got spat at. I was spit on. And that was no way to handle it either. You know, so the other side, the the diehard GOP that want to take it away completely, they're wrong also. So it should still be made available to the women that really do need it. It should never be used as birth control. And it certainly should never be used at nine months, because that's murder. And maybe eight months. Uh, yeah, I, m- I was fortunate. I caught my pregnancy early. I had it at 11 weeks. Now, I'm not sure had somebody shown me an ultrasound, had I maybe I would have changed my mind. I don't know. Um, there is a group out here where I live, where you can donate money, where they will take a girl in in the situation that I was in and they pay for the ultrasound and that changes a lot of minds. Maybe that's something that should be looked at. You know, Planned Parenthood doesn't show you shit. Let me tell you, you walk in there. It's, it's like a mill. That's what I went through a mill. And again, I am right now, 59 years old. And I have carried that choice with me my entire life, and I have regretted it my entire life. Especially when I got when I got pregnant for my son, the first thing I thought was I'm going to be punished for what I did because my son wasn't planned. <clears throat> However, I knew I I knew I wasn't going to the clinic, and I also felt that my God, now I'm going to be punished because of what I did. And I had a terrible pregnancy, which maybe that was my punishment. And now he's almost 40 years old and he's a drug addict and my heart is broken. And maybe that's my punishment. But by God, I gave birth to that boy and I love him. And I just hope that our Supreme Court keeps does the right thing and overturns it so that it's available for those who need it and that the states do the right thing by making sure that it's not abused because it's no joke <laughs> this is real life and that's what i had to say is that enough
0: <laughs> sure uh the one thing i think you touch on is uh th- this idea of celebrating it and i think that that especially in media culture we saw we saw with michelle wolf and doing a whole grand bandstanding thing for our Netflix show. And, and like you said, this this idea that you're celebrating it, I think is, is one of these things that will take even moderately pro-choice to pro-life people and really turn them off. And there is a subsection of our media that really did t- turn to that. And it, I mean, I don't want to say feminist media. That's unfair because I don't think all feminists are, say, liberal progressive women. But especially in the last three, four, five, six, seven years, they really did turn to this celebration of the act. And I, I kind of look at this from the outside and I say, I don't know who you're winning with this other than maybe your, your own Tumblr circle or your Instagram followers. I, I don't see how you think you're winning hearts and minds. And that's pretty much the goal of of any political movement is to win hearts and minds. We saw I think this was uh, well well I have this up here I think it was Matt Gorman and I, I think Chad Chad's lawmo service mentioned this earlier about you know it said my body my choice spray painted on a church I'm gonna just put it out there right now and say I'm skeptical of anything that happens like that until we catch the person who did it and we know it's not a hoax um, I'm not saying it is or it isn't but I just I'm skeptical about anything like that but Matt Gorman who's on Twitter, uh, Vice President Target Victory, uh, said St. Peter's on Capitol Hill in D.C. alerted parishioners to a credible threat of protesters disrupting mass this weekend. Said important update, St. Peter's has been alerted that there is a credible threat of our masses being disrupted this weekend by protesters. All are welcome to join us for Mass at St. Peter's. Even though the disruption, the celebration of the Holy Mass is a grave offense to every person of faith, we will, we will strive to continue worship of God and excess fraternity, charity in any case. And a lot of people I saw on Twitter were making the correct point, which what what if this was conservatives disrupting a mosque or or anything else? And so I look at this and I'm go, I don't know who you guys think you're going to win with this. I mean, if this decision is overturned, and like I said, I think that they have to um, I guess what, Antifa has threatened to riot in cities like Portland and Denver and Seattle and Los Angeles and New York and Chicago, where they already have abortion laws and they're just going to go trash those cities some more, I guess. So I think people are beyond the point of being apathetic towards that kind of stuff where it's, like I said, if you guys are going to go out and celebrate this stuff and, you know, do, do a marching grandstand um, or or whatever – then I think you're going to turn off a lot of people. I think a lot of people are are kind of where Donna is, which is um, in circumstances where it's absolutely necessary. And I think that this is even polling that shows this where in circumstances where it's necessary. And uh, even, you know, as much as we the pro-life has to tolerate this in circumstances like where Donna mentioned um, if it's 11 weeks or whatever, I think most people are willing to tolerate that or look the other way. Um, I, I don't think most of the country is at outright banning it for for every reason forever. Now, on the flip side of that, I don't think most of the countries, uh, you know, when that thing is popping out, I changed my mind. All right, get the chainsaw. And I don't think anyone is there either. There is I think that there is a broad middle here. And the problem is, is you have, for the most part, one political party who, again, as I said, uh, is panicked that they're gonna have to go to the le- state legislatures and introduce legislation where they say up to nine months. And even in some of the most progressive areas, you still have su- suburbs and you still have people who aren't terribly politically active. They're not NYU students, um, who, who are gonna go for that. So if, if I think if there was a section of media, Who and our entertainment culture and our celebrity culture who could pump the brakes a little bit on on celebrating this act. You need to shout it and get it put on a cake or making TikToks or, you know, like I said, Michelle Wolf's one I think was a a huge moment and her show disappeared a month after that. And it's like, hey, guys, correlation, maybe causation, maybe correlation on this. So I, I do can, agree. I do agree with that aspect. So Don, if may, you can, may, uh, may
3: I break in? Just yep. One just just to wrap up.
0: Give me give me some finishing thoughts, and I going to get to Pierce. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. the The thing that really burns my ass is that th- this is the same party that screams "My body, my choice," and yet wanted to insist that I go get a vaccine. And there there is no uh, <clears throat> there is. They they have screwed up this country so bad, with closing businesses and, and making people lose their jobs because they wouldn't go get the vaccine with their federal mandate. And yet they want wide open fields with this. The hypocrisy is just too much. And that's all I wanted to leave with. Thank you, Stephen. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Mother's Day, everybody.
0: Great. Thank you, Donna. Thanks for sharing that story. I, I do appreciate it. Um and good good luck to you and good luck to your son Pierce. Let's get, I guess now we're back to the we're back to the men weighing in. So unless Pierce has a uterus, I'm unaware of. But um, go ahead and give give me some thoughts on what you saw this week.
4: Well, first I want to say that the concept of a sausage fest that's a bit transphobic. A eh, Stephen, I don't know that all men have sausages at this point in time. Uh. Anyway, besides that, I really want to just, you know, thank Donna for her, uh, for her recounting uh, of her experience. I think I want to think that her experience is the norm and not the exception. Uh, uh, It seems like the media likes to highlight uh, people like celebrity musician Phoebe Bridgers who had an abortion and said it was very easy and that everyone should get one and this should be like a thing. Uh, I think that's pretty insane. But um, uh, questions I have and just to kind of be brief. Uh, The Roe v. Wade decision that was conducted by a court of men. Uh, The issue today is being resolved by a court of men and Amy Coney Barrett, and I thought doesn't that certainly a more diverse certainly a more diverse court. We can argue that. Jay, I I would you know because of the diversity there, doesn't that make the decision even even more uh, substantial, more important, uh, more more timely? Uh, Another point. Is that this issue uh that's coming down hopefully comes down uh, is actually going to correct uh the previous decision that was uh, inappropriately made by the Supreme Court and it's going to send us back to the states and it's weird that the democracy dies in darkness crowd is all up in arms about that uh, another- yeah and, and like I said i mean so
0: a, a smart thinking person says that you go. Know, well, wait a second! You guys are all big on democracy and anti-insurrection and everything, and yet here we are putting a fence around the Supreme Court building, and that this is going to be voted on in the democratic process, and no one's really losing. I know that there are states with trigger laws, which is if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, that abortion bans at certain lengths and times gets gets automatically implemented. Place, right? um, and so they've they've yeah snapback laws, trigger laws that they have those, and. Um, I guess I, I, look at it and say, well, you have 13 states that have had, that managed to already codify this Colorado just did it, I think two to three months ago. And it's pretty much the most radical version of all of these. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you can still execute the kid at age four in Colorado now. So if you decide that you don't like it, you know, you just drop it off at Planned Parenthood and like, they'll deal with it, I guess, or they'll just release it into the woods or something. Um, uh, don't fact check me on that. Um, But right. I mean, and and again, that's how you have to understand why the panic, the panic has nothing to do with losing women's rights. The panic has nothing to do with banning abortion. It has to do with, uh, oh, shit, we don't have control over these state legislatures. Well, why not? Uh, Well, shit, our policies are failing in these cities. Well, why is that happening? Oh, geez. Did you see Obama on Jimmy Fallon slow jamming the news? Wasn't that fucking great? And and the whole time that he's doing that, his party is getting decimated out from underneath him to the point where it led to Donald Trump and a complete reshaping of the federal and local judiciary and the circuit courts where he appointed more judges in the history of any president. And Mitch McConnell got off on that like he's just like, yep, another judge, another judge, another judge. And the whole time you had, you know, the entire media screaming about Robert Mueller. And that's kind of why I never really got kind of the Fox News Laura Ingram panic porn over that kind of stuff, because I'm like, guys, forget Donald Trump. I mean, you're, you're kind of winning here, you know, not to be tired of winning or anything like that. But the entire time the media is focused on the wrong things they are focused on how cool Barack Obama is and not the fact that, like I said, he's lost 69 legislatures, again nice, under his presidency where nobody wanted to be seen and Obama was a popular guy, he was a popular president people don't, I mean he was culturally popular he's personally popular and now you have an 80 year old applesauce brains invalid who nobody wants to be seen with, nobody wants to vote for, so if you think that how bad 2014 looked and what that led to I would argue that Choosing Donald Trump was still a response to Obamacare. It was still a, we're getting rid of all of this, and we're not going to put in Hillary Clinton who almost bankrupted the health, you know, the health industry in nineteen ninety-three with her brilliant plans. Even her plan was so brilliant in ninety three, even her husband was like, I don't think we're gonna go for that. And so again, where where this goes in the next election with more legislatures and more states, I, I really think again, you're seeing the panic has nothing to do with Instagram slogans, and it has nothing to do with women's rights and Elizabeth Warren getting fish-shakingly angry. It has to do with the fact that they're not going to be able to legislate their radical agenda. And it is radical. I don't think most of the country is going to go for abortion up to, you know, eight, nine months. It's going to happen to the point to where Ralph Northam won't be a slip-up. And they won't be able to write that off as a gaffe. And for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's when Ralph Northam said, you know, w- w- we're going to take it out and then we're going to make it comfortable. And then a decision's yeah. made. And everyone just kind of went, wait, what? What did you gaffe. just say? Gaffe. And the media just wrote this off as, oh, he was just talking. He was just on a radio show. He's just doing that. Well, every Democrat in the country now is going to have to, you know, have to explain that gaffe.
4: So with this uh, talking about like the local municipalities and states, uh, this dissolved back to states, is this the issue then that drains blue cities like, say, Austin, Texas? Do do the Democrats in Austin say, oh, we got to get out of Texas because we're going to we're not going to have our abortions anymore? I, I don't think
0: so. I, I mean, honestly, they they care more about like being cool and being in Austin than they do about this. So I think you would still probably have the next challenge that comes will be abortion providers doing it anyway, which, again, is ignoring a SCOTUS SCOTUS ruling, which I've talked about, is where we're headed. They can't pack the court. They're not going to abolish the filibuster. They're still still not going to do it, even if cinema goes along with it. They can't do it with Manchin and they're in danger of losing Senate seats anyway. So that's packing the court and abolishing filibuster and and codify. That's all dead whenever they talk about you know we we have to code it. it's dead it's not going to happen uh, we're, we're going to take joe biden's legislative agenda and make it comfortable until a decision can be made about how best to kill it right. um, i look at it and say after what happened in 2016 with trump and, P- and and them screaming about the popular vote because they all inhabit new york and california i think there was one person who suggested why aren't why aren't if you're really that desperate of an activist Base, why aren't you moving to like Wisconsin and Ohio and Florida? And I know that because of the pandemic, you know, Florida saw like a huge influx of libs probably from New York. But why aren't you? If it really is that important to you, why aren't you packing up to go change these states? And it's because most of them are fucking feel like it, i smoke a ball, you know, whatever. Uh It's it's because it's easier to bitch on Twitter than it is to look for a new job in a new place and rent a moving truck and, you know, rent a moving company who's going to rip you off. Right. So, no, I, I, I'm literally I, – I, I'm not hitting any panic buttons on this at all. I don't think that this is going to affect anything. So we already saw the Texas bill passed. Did we hear about an influx of people leaving Texas? Now, they could go to Colorado because that's close and it's similar cultures and, you know, Denver is similar to Austin, which is similar to Portland. So maybe – um but they also don't like fucking cold weather, so I, I don't know what to tell them. So I think they're the reason you're seeing this kind of shriekiness on social media is because it's the only option
4: they really have. I see. Uh two more points. Disinformation in Espanol would be la desinformación. <laughs> I'm gonna and... need you to spe- I need I'm gonna need you to spell that out for me, like in comments. Alright. Drop it in chat. Okay. And then Finally, uh, the White House press secretary announcement, uh, them saying, oh, this is a, uh, you know, uh, we must celebrate this because it's the first uh, black LGBTQ uh, person to be the new uh, press secretary. I I, th- I, see that and all I think about is the pandering, uh, the Nancy Pelosi with the ice cream during the pandemic interview. And I just think who who does not see this and just smell the pandering coming off this? And I think it's, just, it's pretty gross at this I look- point. Yeah, I look at it the same way I look at Ketanji Brown-Jackson. She, she could very well be qualified. She's also a
0: communist and who has come out against Israel in support of BDS. Um, and if there was a single reporter in that room interested in their job beyond Peter Ducey, they would ask her that and say, Do you, is your position on Israel now the administration's position or the president's position? Uh, and, of course, none of them are going to ask her that because they want to all be invited on Jen Psaki's show. Um, I look at it the same way as Ketanji Brown-Jackson. She's very well Probably is could be qualified for this job. The problem is, is you're saying the part out loud that you shouldn't be saying, which is I'm nominating a black woman. And it's like, (laughs) oh, well, how do you feel if you're Katanji Brown Jackson or how do you I mean, maybe they don't care because maybe that maybe sexuality and skin color is really all that they genuinely care about and whatever, but the fact that this is the only thing you're hearing about her and me is she's the first black president, she's the first black lesbian press secretary, she's the first black press secretary from wherever and I get, I look at it and I just go, I can't imagine with gas prices, inflation we saw that today the economy, wages aren't keeping up with inflation and it's in, in workforce shrank. I can't imagine anybody giving a shit and that's all they fucking care about, so yep. good for her I'm sure she'll just as be she'll be just as good of a liar for the administration as uh, Jen Psaki is or even any press secretary is. But, yeah, it, it's it's not that they do it. It's the fact that they just come out and say, yeah, we only did this because of her. She's LGBTQIA2 spirit, whatever. No sex gender. Is she, her, they. And uh, she's black. And everyone just kind of just goes, who who cares? Like, OK, like we get it. We We all see her. She's she's very attractive. She's she's. Very warm. She she has an inviting thing. And by the way, get used to hearing Peter Ducey is racist for now until whenever Jean-Pierre has her CNN right.
4: show. That's right. That's the new shield now. So anyway, thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Pierce. Matt? How are we? <laughs> Miller. I'm going to – hey, man. I'm going to
5: make my points because you got a lot of people behind me, so I want to be quick. Um, so it's three points, but I'll make them quick. Um, first one is um, the uh, – Left, You make a really good point about DeSantis, right? So his this parental rights bill, while we might necessarily think it's the best bill, it has a lot of flaws, it was a reaction to the craziness from the Democrats and the liberals. And I know this is a justice and this is not legislative process, but in some way it feels like this is a little bit of a reaction to the craziness that's happened, like you've outlined the last couple of minutes about people making abortion like a contemporary issue where it's just very transactional. So I feel like this potential ruling is a reaction to that even though it's a very principled conservative making it. My my concern in thinking about this what leads what, what this all leads to, which I think you talk about a lot in your your podcast is we just had a guy light himself on fire in the name of environmental justice in the Capitol, and he and he died and that was one reaction. My concern based off of the like um all of the comments made by the media and the politician is this feels like it's going to lead to a lot, maybe not people lighting themselves in the Capitol or aborting themselves in the Capitol, but doing something very terrible. And I, I think that leads to this. And we almost have the montage of cuts from Schumer a couple of years ago, yelling about uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, weeping the whirlwind to Saki this week saying, hey, like they're passionate about this issue. Therefore it's okay to dox five Supreme court justices. And my last comment is, did you see Lara Logan in the picture of Kyle Rittenhouse this week and your reaction to that? Uh,
0: I I did see the Kyle Rittenhouse, Lara Logan photo. I saw the memes, obviously. Um, I I don't know. I didn't really have a reaction. He's just kind of, "Eh." Um, the media reaction to someone like Lara Logan is really interesting to me because she gets a ton of grief for the way her career has turned in the last few years. And I know that there's people who have questioned her mental health and especially people like Brian Stelter who come out and pan her. And I'm like, motherfucker, she was sexually assaulted during the Arab spring while you were sitting in your studio. So I'm very hesitant to weigh in on much about Laura Logan. I think she's kind of gone off the deep end on some stuff. Um, But on the other hand, I'm kind of like all the people making snide remarks over her uh, those were all the people sipping their fucking lattes while she was in the middle of like to hear square and just getting her clothes ripped off. So cut her some fucking slack. Um, I thought the picture was funny, but I thought some of the memes were funny. Um, he, he brought Matt brought up a point about this could really lead to something. Well, it might, but you know, when Schumer is out there performing about, we're not going to let this stand. What happened? Well, they all got confirmed and life moved on. That's what happened. No, I mean, they didn't stop anything. And that's, you, you know, I say this on Twitter a lot when when I think it was Sam Stein, when Ruth Gator Binsberg died. And he said, if we have to replace a Supreme Court justice before the election, it's going to tear the country apart. And I just simply said, no, it's not. Trump is going to nominate someone. The Senate will confirm her. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do to uh, to stop it, period. And that's the thing here. I don't think Alito is doing this. To a pushback, I think he's genuinely saying, here's the precedent we're setting in this case, because because of this ruling, this will invalidate a prior ruling. And therefore, this will also be kicked back to the states. I don't think Alito sits there going, looking on social media or looking at the hot button issue on MSNBC. He might. But I genuinely think and I do think this some of the liberal justices as well that except for maybe Sotomayor, they take their they take their duty very very seriously, and so they understand the weight of what their decisions mean, and that's why again a clerk shipping this off to Politico was such just kind of like a holy fuck moment because it really does it changed, it changes the sanctity of the court and there's always one fucking team doing this stuff, so again I, I don't see that now again we had the Alexandria baseball shooting. And now you have groups targeting their homes um, and you have journalists from overseas just pondering, you know, what if we just did kill one of them? It's just so you see all of this. But, again, a lot of this is performative. And I mean, if it happens, it happens. And that's going to be the case. And like I said, my simple reaction is go to Wisconsin next time, because none of this happens if you decide to do that. Uh, We'll go for about 15, 20 more minutes. I'll try to get in as many people as we can. So, uh, Ben, go ahead. Give us some thoughts. Make him pithy and quick and uh, just on what you saw this week. The Harambe avatar is going to make me abort him. All right. I just aborted Harambe. Going to hell. Ian, how are you? Give me some thoughts on what you saw this week. Am I going to have to perform two abortions in a row here on this podcast? It certainly looks that way. Look at this, I am like the call in version of Kermit Gosnell right now, William. welcome back. Oh, I just aborted three in a row. How great is this i 'm getting them all in before uh i 'm getting them all in before uh, before they rule. Uh, town moron. We have a new face new voice. How are you? Give me your thoughts on what you saw this week?
6: doing well, thanks Stephen. and
0: uh, I'll, I just had a couple quick thoughts, just uh,
6: my musings on the the leak and the uh, what the best course forward would be for the court. And I've also seen all the kind of speculation about, you know, this was a conservative justice trying to shore up votes. I just don't understand that. I don't get it. I think if that's, you mean, you mean,
0: you mean the leaker or the an actual Alito trying to shore up votes,
6: uh, a a conservative clerk, sorry, a conservative clerk for one of the justices leaking the draft to try and shore up conservative votes. And I don't understand that because I think unless you simultaneously uh, leak, you know, here was the five, we had five votes, but this is no longer the case. Um, Then you mobilize the right group of people. You mobilize the people to say, justices, do your job and uh, overturn Roe. But I think just around a few days before the leak was instead, there are five votes to overturn Roe, so if the leak was there's five votes, then leaking the opinion as well, um, you know, would would make no sense because it would be mobilizing the wrong side, uh, uh, which is exactly what we're seeing. It mobilized the people who are trying to put pressure now to flip a vote. Um, so you know, kind of an Occam's razor thing here. I think the, a liberal clerk makes far more sense, or employee, or anyone else who simply sympathizes with the idea that. Roe needs to be protected at all costs, um, but then my second point was, as far as what the best course for the court to do, I don't know. That maybe this is just, uh, just in case by some peculiar chance the chief justice is listening in today. Um, you know, everyone always talks about how concerned he is with the legitimacy of the court, the legitimacy of the court in ensuring that the court remains this prestigious institution uh, that remains above the fray. I, I think there's two steps. Uh, the only thing that makes sense is uh, for him to flip, join the majority 6-3. Um, you know, his vote doesn't matter in terms of what the outcome would be if there are already five solid votes, but he gives it a little bit more of an imprimatur. Plus, it means the chief justice is on uh, the side of the majority. And then I would issue the opinion immediately um, because all Supreme Court opinions, when they're issued, they're only draft opinions and they can always be corrected. Changes can be made, even substantial changes down the line, uh, including adding dissents, concurrences, etc. So anyway, th- those were just my few thoughts. If I were a betting man, I think the most likely outcome is that uh, if if the leak has any effect, I think it actually convinces the chief justice to flip and join the majority, which is
0: probably the opposite of what the leaker intended. Thanks. Uh, thanks, town moron. Uh, some very un, unmoronic local town thoughts. Um, I'm kind of with you. I I I think that this is probably an activist clerk on the left. I do bemuse, and I do think it would be funny if it was a, if it was a clerk on the right. And the only reason I think that is because I like chaos, um, and it doesn't matter if it's chaos on my side or that side. It would be fi- kind of fun to see the, the reaction and the justification for it. And I I can see the argument. That's the other thing. I can actually see you know they thought that maybe Roberts flipped, or and so they were like, nope, I'm releasing this. I don't see them going to Politico with it. That's the only. That's to me the dead giveaway. Is Um, I don't, I wouldn't see them going to political. I'd see them going somewhere else, maybe like daily wire or national review or or Breitbart or someplace. But, um, it's fun to at least, you know, question and look at beyond identifying people who it may or may not be. That's bad folks. Don't do things like that. Um, I think what I saw with Roberts and I, and I, and anyone who wants to correct me on this can do so in comments or whatever that he, he had basically said in the draft or one of the drafts that he was, he was fine with the Dobbs decision, but wanted a more limited in scope thing. He didn't, he didn't want to go as far as overturning Roe. So it was going to be a 6-3 decision on Dobbs, and it was going to be a 5-4 decision on sending it back. Um, and remember, what we heard last week, and I haven't seen this really mentioned, is it came out that Roberts wasn't writing the decision on Dobbs and that set alarms all over the media because they thought that, that was the first giveaway which is well who's writing it then and they thought either barrett or possibly alito and what's interesting is that whole thing has kind of been forgotten all of a sudden that that was an actual like one day news cycle where it broke that justice roberts was the the chief justice was not going to write the decision on dobbs which it probably does it probably means kagan's not writing it Uh, because I don't see Barrett and Thomas and Alito all going for it. So it must have been one of those three who's going to write the majority. And that's what set off the alarm bells. And of course, this week we have the draft leaked to Josh Gerstein of Politico. And of course, all of the entire media, you know, locking arms behind him and saying that this is just, this is just how media works. Well, no, it's not how media works. Um, So interesting thoughts. And like I said, if, I I like I like the at least the theory that somebody posted that what happens if this is actually a uh, if this was actually a conservative clerk who is who thought Roberts was getting squishy or or one of them was getting squishy. I mean, (coughs) excuse me. The one thing I said is one thing I said is they, they have they have to pretty much rule now with similar language that's in that draft. You cannot you cannot reverse. You cannot say because the integrity of the court was compromised, we're not going to decide. You can't do that. You cannot show that this tactic works in the future. I think you have to pretty much stick to your guns. And if they burn the Supreme Court building down as Ian Milheiser and a bunch of other idiots are calling for, then that's what's going to have to happen. Um, you cannot especially if you're on the Supreme court and you're one of those four justices, you cannot absolutely decide to go back because for all the shit that Donald Trump screams about the court, not hearing his election lawsuits and everything. And he's, he's screaming about Kavanaugh, he's screaming about Barrett and their traitors. um, I think for the most part, a lot of GOP voters look at that as noise and they just go, ah, it's just the fucking boomer. Dad's at it again. Dad's ranting about the election again. You know, they kind of do that thing. Well, if they backtrack on this and let's say Roberts, Thomas and Alito suddenly vote not to do it. That's, that's to me is all the ammunition Trump probably needs to get into 2024. So if uh, town, if you have any finishing thoughts real fast, uh, I'll give you those. And then we'll wrap up with these last Megan, Brandon, and Julia. I,
6: I, I tell you what, I'll just finish with the explanation for the name, which is uh, also dates myself in that uh, it goes back to the days of AOL. When I discovered that Village Idiot wouldn't fit as a screen name, so uh, it,
0: it's been Town Warren ever since. Thanks a lot. <clears throat> Thank you, Town Warren. I do, I do like the old schools. I do, I do like those. Uh, it's good. We have like we have two uh, at least birthing people here to wrap us up, including Julie at the end. But Megan, uh, give me your thoughts, whatever they might be, on what you heard this week. Hello. Hi. Gotcha.
7: Um. Good. Um. Yeah, I was going to just touch upon what Donna was talking about a little bit, where I think a real effective thing um, for women is, you know, like she was saying, being just shoot out the door would be the ultrasound things. And I've heard this promoted in other areas about how that's such a game changer. Um, I mean, my my very, very best friend had an abortion for reasons of uh, someone we worked with threatened her career. Um, and I think, you know, she really regrets that now. And, um, I think if she had gone through, I mean, me, myself, I have two girls, um, nine weeks at the ultrasound, obviously you can see the heartbeat, but she was kicking and doing all kinds of punching and stuff. And I think that would be a real game changer. So, you know, instead of spitting on people at abortion clinics, you know, that would probably be something that maybe people on the right could really look into as far as advocating for that. Um, that's just the sec other thing I was gonna mention. I wondered if you saw comments from my esteemed Governor Pritzker about when this came out earlier in the week about this being a dark day. And um I thought it was really interesting language that sounded like a sixteen-year-old wrote, but um what did he say here? Um no matter what the atrocity of an opinion the Supreme Court officially rolls out this summer in regards to Roe versus Wade. Abortion will always be safe and legal here in Illinois. Illinois is and will remain a beacon of hope in an increasingly dark world. I'm like, what kind of language is this when you're talking about abortion?
0: or birthing people. I, all, right. I
7: there was,
0: all I heard there was some rampant transphobia, just like we heard from Maisie Arano and the governor of California. Yeah. Um, boy, they, they, they really talked themselves into a corner on this. And I, as I've said on my podcast, it's the thing I am enjoy- I am absolutely enjoying the most about all of this, that suddenly two weeks ago, we didn't know what a woman is and, and we couldn't define it. And now it's all hands on deck for women's rights.
7: Yeah. just You just talking about women who call Illinois home, you know, every corner of the Country, so you know. Obviously, you mentioned Illinois is one of those states that have codified it. Um, not shocker, but I was like heard that language. And I'm like, who wrote this? <laughs> when you're talking about abortion, about beacons of light and dark day. This was a dark day when this opinion was leaked. Um. Anyway, so those are my thoughts.
0: Great. I mean, you're you're seeing kind of the the TikTokification and the social media of a lot of these guys where, you know, their messaging is put in charge. Because, again, a a lot of Democratic politicians, and Megan, thanks, I'm going to just move on to Brandon. Uh, A lot of these politicians, again, especially in the Democratic Party, think their base audience is that group. They think it's Instagram, they think it's TikTok, they really think it's Twitter. And so they try to do the how-do-you-do-fellow-kids, pardon the irony of abortion on that one, um, and that's largely what it has to do. Uh, I'm not too familiar with Pritzker, other than it's pretty much assured he's going to be in jail in five to ten years on corruption, like every other <laughs> politician. So, yep. thanks for that, Brandon. um Hey, Brandon, go ahead. Oh, sorry, hey, can you hear me, Stephen? Yeah, Megan, if you can okay. go ahead, mute your mic. I think it's a glitch. Thanks, Megan. Go ahead, Brandon.
8: Okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm. I'm- I'm proud of myself. I actually managed to hit the unmute button instead of the hangout button this time.
0: So. Think about how I feel. Um, like every every time I do it, I do like the sweaty guy meme where it's like, mute button or end room.
8: Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to, to uh, pick up on something that, that Donna mentioned. And uh, thank you again for sharing your story, Donna. Um, uh, Donna speculated that, uh, you know, what's next? Are we going to be able to allow to kill a child uh, when they're six months old or 12 months old. And uh, the answer to that is, uh, yeah, the uh, wheels are already in motion for that. Um, This is something that Wesley Smith at National Review has been talking about. Um, I believe that uh, the California legislature and the somebody in the Maryland legislature has, uh, they both introduced uh, bills that would, um, if I remember correctly, that would um, protect the, or, or would remove criminal liability from parents who allow their whose child's die of neglect within the first four weeks or the first month of their lives so essentially you would be allowed to let your child starve to death which is just insane I, I can't believe that
0: and I'm gonna um, you know I mean I haven't I haven't heard that so if you have a link to that put it in comments so people can at least look that up Absolutely. Um look it, it, when they're a baby or four months, they're cute and whatever like that. I can all. I think we can all agree that wanting to murder a six-year-old is is justifiable in some circumstances. Okay, let's just <laughs> let's at least hedge there. That some parent everywhere hasn't just thought about it, just being like, okay, I'm just going to leave you in the bathtub until you're 12. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they'll call this like the the train spotting law. Um, but again, yeah, you're, you're going to see because they don't stop. And if they get to the point where Ralph Northam said, which is, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about what to do with this thing after we've removed it. You kind of, you think about, well, wait a second. I mean, this is how they pushed and pushed and pushed. It used to be for regal, rare. And then it used to be first trimester. And again, most people are like, eh, I'm not really, okay. I'm not, I don't want to be in the room for that, but uh, okay. And then now you, you're at a point which is no limits. And again, where where does it go from there? So I, I, I haven't seen this law, but I it doesn't shock. Like what you're describing wouldn't shock me because in the name of equity, we can't punish mothers who can't afford them. And, we, and should the thing, you know, die of starvation or neglect or abuse, you know, hey, it, we'll just we'll we'll file a misdemeanor charge on that. Um, I'm kind of of the opinion of what we saw this week, which is if anyone can storm a stand up comedy stage with a gun with a knife in it and attack, you know, one of the most famous comedians in the country and face no felony charges whatsoever, I think all bets are off in some of these places. So it it, it would be interesting, and these are comments that I think would be great in a debate. It would be great to at least hear what some of them think. Uh, on this and if that's exact if that's where they would want to go but the second that somebody would say in the name of equity we have to do this um, or if you have Ibram Kendi or Robin DiAngelo propose this idea or Nicole Hannah-Jones they're going to be all on board for it because we, we can't upset the, that wing of our party essentially um, but yeah I, I haven't heard about this I'll, I'll look into it and I think you said it was an author who, did you say it was someone in National Review who wrote on this
8: yeah, it was Wesley Smith. I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, post those in comments.
0: Cool. I, I ha- yeah, I haven't read that, so that's that's one I'd be interested in reading as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows? I guess I, again, we we can call it the you know non-neglect equity uh, childhood forgiving law or something. They'll come up with some fucking name for it, which will make everyone go, oh that that can't be bad. We'll call it the D bar D law, and it's like anyone who says they speak you know, anyone who speaks German can't be bad. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, who, who knows where they go from there? All right. Thanks, Stephen. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Brandon. It's good to see uh, some new colors. Julia, you're up. You're our last one. It's good. It's good to end with a birthing person. So give me your perspective and give me your thoughts on anything that you saw this week, media or the draft decision or, or anything else. Oh, geez. Am I going to have How many how many phone call abortions have I performed? There she is.
9: Hey, Stephen. She's, Steven, she's viable.
0: She's viable. We're good. Hey, Stephen. I, I still day. could do it right now. I could abort her right now because she's just, but I'm not going to. Julia, thank you.
9: Thanks. This is my first time on your call, and you can hear me okay yeah. now, yes, right? Yes, I can.
0: You picked, a good t- you picked a good day, Julia.
9: Okay. Great. It's very cheerful very
0: around here today. A lot of levity. <laughs>
9: <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking my call. I followed you over from the conservatarian, so I've been well, following you for a while. that was mistake. <laughs> I'm glad I could finally make one of your call-ins. Um, one of the things I just want to say was, you know, when I heard about this leak from the Supreme Court, I realized I didn't. I don't really know how the voting process works for the Supreme Court. Um, you know, we'd always hear about them hearing um, testimony they, on yeah, C SPAN. They,
0: they basically cut the head off of a chicken and drop it onto a big board with lots of different rulings like they did on South Park and that's where they <laughs> that's what happens.
9: Yeah. So, you know, we'd hear about them having testimony and then, you know, sometime in the summer we'd hear the outcomes of all these cases. But um, so hearing about this draft, you know, I guess, you know, hearing that this might not be their final decision, I didn't realize like when the voting actually happens and, you know, I'm optimistic about them ruling in this way, but, um, I'm sure everybody, you know, is now an expert on how the whole process goes and has a prediction. Yes. I too Um, am a
0: birthing person now. I've decided.
9: Yes. uh, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. You as a white birthing person have every right to, you know, be an expert. So, um, anyway, um, I, I always appreciate all your comments. Your all your commentary, um, and I ha- also have to just tell you a totally unrelated anecdote. The other day, there was some commercial on TV for a a, a TV show starring Josh Brolin, yeah. Yeah, and my mom was and my mom was in the room, and I go, "Fuck you!" And he goes, <laughs> "What? What? <laughs> what? What did you just call me?" And I was like. Don't worry about
0: it. But anyway, yeah. I love. It's, no, no yeah. it's fun. It's, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've had a couple of people say that because they've gotten an ad for a new show with Josh Brolin. And it's funny because that whole bit came about because of a pro-life and abortion. It's where I And for those who aren't in the know, I have kind of an ongoing thing on my podcast. It's also a takeoff of the duck from South Park, which is it's interesting to me that our media has kind of frozen out conservative views and this is another thing about this debate that you know maybe we'll get into if we decide to do a second show on um on abortion yay which is you have a media that is 99 percent you know on the side of the progressive left and Planned Parenthood who have award shows for journalists etc we just saw Kate Smith from CBS News go become the head lead news content of Planned Parenthood and so you have a news media that is literally frozen out any and all conservative views on this topic. And that's the same goes for guns. And I think I noted at the time, like the only conservative r- remote conservative voice you could find anywhere in mainstream media, other than Fox news was Megan McCain on the view. Mm-hmm. Well, she's not there anymore. And now they have a rotating, they have a rotating group of people. Um, and some of which who are very much not conservatives anymore. And what's interesting though, to me is while our media does that, if you look at, prime time lineups on CBS, NBC, ABC, they're all like the same variation of the same concept about FBI or NCIS or, uh, Navy SEALs, Navy SEALs, FBI, Josh Brolin. (laughs) And they all have like the same four actors we've all heard about who've done some movies, but now mainly their TV, like, you know, um, Oh, I don't know who's, who's a good one that's out there. Like, yeah, like Josh Brolin who does some movies, but he's kind of, you know, he's kind of in the middle there. Um, and so I just started riffing about how our media is like, how, how these, how these companies, like how NBC, CBS, all of their journalists are just like left wing fucking activists. But then when it comes to their primetime lineups their every show is about cops or firefighters Mm -hmm. or the FBI or Hawaii and CIS, you know, Marine Navy SEAL investigators and starring Chris O'Donnell. Fuck you. And so that's kind of where that whole it actually that whole bit came from, the pro-life point of view, which is like you cannot turn on any one of these stations and have a reporter or a journalist reporting on how is this decision playing in some of the redder parts of the country without calling them dumb hick rubes or saying they're just religious cuckoos or or anything. And any time that a reporter tries, like, say, Zel- Zelina Zito or whomever, they get made fun of by the Dave Weigel's. And the Daily Beast and the Huff Post and the Cool Kids Table, and it's and so you have an entire media right now. I think it was uh, Will Salatin from the Bulwark today just said that this is gonna this is a mistake for the GOP and this is gonna energize the political left. And now you have a poll saying no, it's not, and that's because you have a media which is ninety eight percent minus say Fox, and I'm not counting Newsmax or OAN or True Social. You have a media that is completely frozen out any conservative perspective on this issue, which means they're ignoring 50% of the country. But then when it comes to like post evening news, their entire lineup of shows is Navy SEALs, FBI, Chicago Fire, LA Paramedic, <laughs> Seattle PD, Seattle NCIS. Yeah. And you get the music and it's, it that just that paradox to me is fascinating where it's like I said, our news media is all liberal, but then come prime time, they're all pandering toward like the conservative audience by like doing Tom Selleck is is Doctor Watson in in Chicago Navy Seal NYPD. Fuck you, whatever, whatever it is. So uh, it's funny that you met I've had a few people mention the thing with Josh Brolin, <laughs> but it is funny that that like you just go fuck you and your mom's like whomever's like what what did you just do what? <laughs> so now you have to get her to sub to the podcast to understand. That's the only way out of this. <laughs>
9: Definitely. And I think it's so funny, like the left continues to eat its own. And like that Elon Musk cartoon the other day, where he stays the same, but the left moves farther left. And eventually he's considered on the right. And, you know, with a lot of these older audiences, I think they're not, they're not conservatives. They've never been Republicans, but they look at the left who are like, I'm not a biologist. I don't know what a woman is. And they're like, well, I don't love Trump, but like, I, I can't get on board with that. So I'm really looking forward to November, but uh, I really appreciate all you do. I think you're so great. I listen all the time and I'm glad that I was able to finally catch you on call.
0: Great, Julia. I'm glad, I'm glad we got to end with a birthing body, uh, (laughs) a birthing body's perspective, at least today. So Thanks. And and join more of these by all means, jump in. i like to, I like to hear new voices and I like to hear from a lot of new voices. So there's that.
9: Okay, great. Have a great weekend.
0: Thanks, Julia. Take care. Um, Yeah, we're not going uh, two and a half hours today on this. (laughs) So again, uh, I'm glad we got to fit in most everyone. If you weren't able to, to jump up or whatever, uh, just make sure uh, you have the call in app and you should check the schedule. I think you guys do get an alert when it says that I've scheduled a new show. Um, so just be sure to jump up in the queue. And like I said, I'll leave a comment. So uh, once again, uh, I want to thank everyone who did, sh- who did share their stories, obviously, especially the birthing bodies and and Donna. Thank you for that. Obviously it, it, you have to remember, it's kind of a sobering topic as much as we try to kid about the stuff like this. And as we talked about how the left celebrates it, um, it is a very sobering topic and there's, there's no easy ways to do this. So um, as much as I wasn't looking forward to this again, um, it it is good to hear as many different perspectives as you guys have. So again, thank you for that. Um, This episode will be published. So, and I don't think I've said that. So when when I hang up here, this episode will be published so you can pass this on to friends, family, and say, hey, I, I talk here with this uh, weird podcast dude. And um, you can get them to join in as well. So the more the merrier is like I always like to say in Andrew Breitbart's words, more voices, not less. Um, and like I said, I always like to hear more from the audience and people than I do, you know, other blue checks who have mundane opinions that none of you care about. So, again, thank you for taking some time on a Friday night and having a happy hour. Um, go watch some hockey, and um, I will probably be back here sometime again next week. Uh, I'll fit something in sometime, hopefully, <laughs> on a more enlightening and joyful subject. So again, this is has been episode six sixteen uh versus me to live. I'm Stephen L Miller. You can get me on Twitter at Red Steez. Hopefully, you know that. And you can also get me on Patreon with my podcast versus media. Uh, I will have a new episode tomorrow, sometime mid a.m., I'm hoping, uh, which will kind of wrap up on this topic and some other things we talked about during the week. So, again, thanks for joining. Uh, Be sure to join in the future. Be sure to uh, subscribe and then follow me as well. And you guys will get all the alerts. So go get off. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Friday night. And uh, I'll see you guys sometime next week. Cheers.